Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Gwinnett Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Gwinnett Church app where you can have access to all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around here at Gwinnett Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. Most importantly, however, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, my, uh, my wife and I are in a season right now with our kids where we've moved past uh, the time where you just do everything for them. And, uh, and now we're trying to teach them uh, personal responsibility, uh, to which some of you are like, oh, tell me more. Um, and I would tell you, uh, we haven't figured that out yet either. And so I said, we're in the season of figuring that out. And, uh, and so, you know, we've kind of, we, we've got them participating in uh, our kiddos, like helping uh, uh, you know, put the dishes away and uh, set the table and uh, take out the trash and those kinds of things. You know, we're trying to, like, hey, if you're going to live in this house, you're going to participate. And so, like, uh, so we're, we're, we're inviting them into the process, trying to teach them some personal responsibility. And we have this rule uh, now around the house where uh, on the weekends, uh, if they, before they go outside and play, if they want to go outside and play with their friends or if they want to have friends come over, uh, if they want, you know, to, to have a spend the night party or if they want to go to so-and-so's birthday party or whatever, right? If they want to do those fun things, uh, then part of their responsibility is that they've got to have their room clean. And, uh, and so uh, the, my, especially my, my older two, my, my 10-year-old and my soon-to-be now eight-year-old. Uh, and, and so uh, every weekend it gets, you know, to Saturday morning and they're like, dad, can we go outside? And we'll say, okay, let's go check your room uh, to see. And, uh, and most Saturdays their room looks like, you know, like just a, an absolute absolute train wreck, right? Um, and so they just amass it for a week. And I just, I, I tell them every time I walk in, I go, you know, if you just picked up literally anything, then like you wouldn't have to do this every Saturday morning. And so the other Saturday morning though, uh, my son, he's like, hey, I want to go outside. I want to go play. And this is a couple weeks ago. And so I'll say, okay, well, let, let me come check your room, you know, because last time I was in there, um, it was terrible. And so I went up there and of course, disaster zone, right? Like, uh, and so it looks absolutely awful. The room is a wreck. There's Lego bricks everywhere. It's a minefield. You know what I mean? Like, so, uh, and there's, there's squishmallows. I don't know if anybody knows about these squishmallows. I'm like, if my parents buy my kids one more squishmallow, we're going to have what's called a bonfire. And so, uh, I'm like, get these out of here. Like I'm done with like no more stuff to animal. They got, they got squishmallows. He's got his dirty clothes, socks everywhere. Like the room is an absolute wreck. And so I'm like, Hey bud, uh, you got to clean that up before you go outside. You can't go outside and play and until you got the room cleaned up. It's like, oh, all right, fine. And so I go downstairs and, uh, and about 10 minutes later, he comes out skipping. <laughs> and I was like, where are you going? And he's like, oh, I'm done. And I was like, 10 minutes? I'm like, it looks like, like a disaster in there. I'm like, there's no way you cleaned all that up in 10 minutes. He's like, oh yeah, I definitely did. And I'm like, buddy, I'm coming up to check. He's like, great. He was confident. 
I got up there and, uh, and it still looked terrible. And uh, all he had done is just uh, put things into piles. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so now there was at least like a path through his room, but it was just like Lego bricks over here into a pile, squishmallows over here, dirty clothes over here, stack of books over here. And I was like, dude, you didn't actually clean up anything. And he was like, looks great to me. I don't understand, you know? And uh, I was like, okay, here's the deal. I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna help you this time. And we're gonna walk through it together so that you know where everything goes. And, uh, and so we, we start to clean up. I'm, I'm, I'm cleaning up one side. And uh, as I'm cleaning up his room, right? I'm helping him to clean up his room. I hear behind me sound effects. I don't know where he gets that from, uh, but... <laughs> No, he gets it naturally. We do a lot of sound effects in our house. So, uh, but I hear these sound effects. I turn around and uh, I'm cleaning up all of his Legos and I turn around and he is playing with what he should be cleaning up. And some of you are nodding. You're like, I know, yeah. He's over there, Transformers, robots in disguise. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he was like, oh, I'm sorry, I got distracted, you know? Like, and so, and so we had this guy, I was like, hey bud, hey listen, here's the deal. I'm willing to help, but you gotta participate, right? I'm willing to help, but you gotta participate. You gotta start cleaning some things up. And he did this whole like, why don't you just do it for me? You know, like, and, and so now he's like, why don't you just do it? Dad, it'd be so much faster if you would just do it. And plus it looks better when you and mom clean my room up anyway. You already saw what I can do, right? Like that was the extent of my talents. And so he's like, he's like, it would be faster. It would be better if you would just do it for me. And I told him, I I literally, I, I remember I'm sitting on the ground with him and I go, Hey, listen, it would be better. You're absolutely right. Right now your mom would disagree, but like, I can't like, I, it would be better if I cleaned it up. It would be better. Your room would look better, but you would be worse. I said, the room would be better. 100% true. Room would be better if I just did it myself, but you would be worse. And he was like, I don't understand. I'm seven. You know what I mean? Like I, was having, I thought I was having a breakthrough dad moment. But, but you guys know this. Listen, you know this. If, 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 if you're a parent, if, if, you're, if you're a teacher, if you're a coach, if you're, if you're a manager or a boss or if you're a counselor or you are a sponsor working with somebody in addiction recovery, right? Like, like it, even if you've just got a friend who said they want to make some changes and they've invited you into the process, right? They've expressed it to you. You guys know this, right? That, that when it comes to experiencing real and lasting change, when, when, when it comes to someone else experiencing real and lasting change, if you do it all for them, them, they will not grow. If you do it all for them, they will not mature and get better. If you do it all for them, right, you will actually, in your efforts to help them, you will actually find yourself hindering them in the process, right? They have to participate if they want to experience transformation, real and lasting transformation, then their participation is required. They've got to participate in the process or else they're never gonna change or else they're never gonna grow. So parents, quit doing your kids' homework. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like so... So if, if they're going to change and if they're going to grow, right, we can help, right? There can be help, but they've got to participate in the process. So... We're in, uh, I say all that to say, we're in a series that's called Real Change. 
becoming who you were meant to be. And uh, in this series, what we're talking about is, is who we're becoming. And we're talking about what does it look like to experience real and lasting change in the areas of our life that matter most? What does it look like to, to experience real and lasting change in order that we become who we were meant to be, who we desire to be, who those around us need us to be, and ultimately who God, our heavenly father has created us to be. How do we become those kind of people? And what we learned last week, if you're just joining us, what we learned last week is that in all of us, there is this version of us that we aspire to be. There is an aspirational us, this person that we know that we want to be, that we're meant to be, that we ought to be. There's that person. And that person is amazing. And then though also there is within us the actual us and there is a gap between the two. And last week we asked the question, we said, well, what do we do with that gap? How do we shrink that gap between who we know we're meant to be, who we ought to be, who others need us to be, who God created us to be? How do we, how do we shrink the gap between that person and the person that we are right now? How do we shrink that gap and experience transformation, real and lasting change? And so we looked at the teachings or some of the teachings of the apostle Paul and, and somebody who we said was very acquainted acquainted with uh, this, this gap and the process of trying to change and the frustration of trying to change and to shrink that gap on his own effort and ability. And what we learned last week is that if we want to experience real and lasting change, if we want to experience real and lasting change, uh, then, then what, we, what we need is actually, we need internal spiritual transformation, not just external behavior modification. <laughs> We said, if you want to experience real and lasting change, that it can't just be external behavior modification. It can't just be try harder. That we actually need internal spiritual transformation. That's what's required. According to the Apostle Paul, we need God to come and do a work inside of us. We need him to come and do a work so that change actually happens from the inside out. We need to invite God in and trust him and invite him to do a work in us to forgive our sins, to free us from the power of sin and our own selfishness and to fill us with his spirit and to fill us with his spirit in order to give us new motivations, new desires, a new identity, and to empower us to do and become all that God created us to do and become. And so if we're gonna experience real and lasting change, not just the temporary and superficial change that so many of us have gotten used to where it's a change for a little bit and I go right back. If we wanna experience real and lasting change, then what we, what we actually need is internal, it's spiritual transformation, not just behavior modification. Now, that brings us to uh, another question though. And the question is, well then what is my role in this process? What is my role? Because last week we talked about, okay, well, that's God's part. God's going to come in. I just trust in him and he's going to come in and start to work on me and change me from the inside out. And then the question though becomes, well, well what's my part? Do I have a part? What role does personal responsibility and human effort play in the process of transformation? What role does human effort and personal responsibility play 
in the role of transformation, right? Like, like what, what role does it play? And so what we're gonna do today is that's what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about our role, the role of human effort and personal responsibility in the process of experiencing real and lasting change, in the process of transformation. And so in order to guide us in the conversation, we're gonna look again at some more teachings from the Apostle Paul. Uh, he writes about this in a number of places where we're gonna be camped out today. We're gonna look at a letter that he wrote uh, to a church in a place called Corinth. And so 1 Corinthians is the letter that we'll be in. And we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 15. If you do have a Bible, if not, no worries, I'm going to put it up there. But uh, just to give you some context, uh, Corinth was one of the churches that Paul helped start. Uh, he, would, he had traveled there. He spent some time there. He planted a church there. And then he left, as he would often do. He'd plant a church, stay for you know, a few months, a few years, and then he would move on, plant another church. And, uh, and so Corinth is one of those churches that he helped get started. He left, and then he heard some news. Uh, that, uh, that things had gotten wild. And so if you read the book of Corinthians, you'll see um, if, if you think the last church or this church has got problems, uh, we don't have those. And so, um, and so there's some wild stuff going on. And so Paul hears about it and he's like, you guys have gotten way off track. Things have gotten weird. And so he's like, hey, um, uh, he, he writes them and he's like, hey, I wanna help you get back on track. And so he gives them some instruction, some encouragement, some accountability, and he calls them uh, to tell ask a little bit. And then he's given them though, like, Hey, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so he writes to them though, on this subject of change. And he's talking about himself here. And this is what he says uh, in first Corinthians 15 about change. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. He says, and his grace to me was, was not without effect. So he says, Hey, God has done a work in me. Right, which is what we were talking about last week. He's like, hey, like, like I was trying to change me to, to no effect, right? It was, it, was, it was temporary, it was superficial change. But God, God, now that I've invited God in and I've put my trust in him, God has come in and by his grace and by his power in my life, he's changing me. And he says, and it was not without effect. It is noticeable the difference that God is making in me. God is doing a work in me. A noticeable difference is happening in me because I've invited God in. So he says, by, by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace... Uh, to me was not without uh, effect. He says, no. And then he says this, he says, no, I, I worked harder than all of them, which is strange because he's going, well, God's working in me and I'm working really hard. He says, well, God's, God's working in me and I'm working on me. And then he, he keeps going. He says, yet not I, but, but again, the grace of God that was with me. What's Paul saying? Paul goes, hey, God is doing a work in me at the same time I'm working on me, but the way that I'm working on me is that I'm tapping into the power of God that he's put in me. So he's like, God's working in me while I'm working on me and I'm tapping into the strength that God put in me in order to even work on myself. What's Paul saying here when it comes to experiencing real and lasting change, right? Is it, is it God or is it me? If you ask the apostle Paul, right? Hey, Paul, how do we change? How are we transformed? How do we experience real and lasting change? Is it, is it, is it God's work or is it mine? Paul would go, yes. <laughs> right? 
He would go, yes, right? It's, it's both. He's like, listen, it's God's work in you while you're working on you, tapping into his power that's in you, right? Like he's like, it's both, right? He's in, in another letter, the apostle Paul will write to the church in Philippians. He says this, and I like the way he talks about it. He says, God's working in you and you got to work it out, right? He's like, he's like, God's at work in you. So now you work it, you work it out. So you work out what God's working in, right? Like God's working in you and then you work on you and together, right? With your powers combined, you are captain planet. And so you're, you're transforming. He's like, this is how, this is how this happens. He's like, he's like, is it God or is it me? No, it's both of us together. He's like, you have a part to play. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. I love um, Augustine. He would write later uh, in reflection on all of these things and in reflection on the scriptures. And Augustine would say this in regards to change in your own life and in the world around us. He says this. He says, without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. Without God, we cannot. We're powerless to change. We learned that last week. Without God working and doing a work in us, we're gonna always go back to those same habits, those same behaviors, those same patterns, and we'll only ever experience temporary and superficial change. So without God, we can't experience real and lasting change. But Augustine says, says, without us, God will not. If you wanna experience transformation, it requires your participation. If you want to experience real transformation, it requires your participation. And this is what the apostle Paul is teaching us this morning. He's like, yes, invite God in. God God has invited you. Uh, Invite God in. God's gonna do a work in you. He's gonna begin to transform you, give you new desires. He's He's gonna free you from the power of sin in your life. He's gonna free you from guilt and shame. He's gonna empower you to live different, but now you've got a part to play. Your participation is required. And so uh, what is our part? How do we play our part in the transformation process? What does that actually look like? Like how, how do we participate with God in our own transformation, in our own growth, in our own maturity, in our own spiritual formation? How do we participate with God in order to experience real and lasting change in our lives? How do we play our part? Well, the Apostle Paul actually, he, he outlines very graciously, he outlines uh, a few chapters earlier how he participates with God in the process of change. And so he outlines it for us uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter nine. He gives us some details about how he participates with God, how he applies effort alongside God's grace in order to experience real and lasting change. And so I wanna show you what the Apostle Paul says here. And there's a couple things that I hope we can take away from this this morning. This is what he says. He says in regards to to change and, and growth, he says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? He says, run in such a way as to get the prize. So Paul's writing and uh, he uses this athletic example. And the reason why is he's trying to connect with his audience, uh, the, the people that he was writing to, the place that he was writing to, Corinth. Uh, they hosted a lot of athletic games. Uh, Corinth was also a place where a lot of uh, former soldiers would retire and then they were bored and they wanted to compete at things. And so, uh, which is why uh, so many of you guys are super into pickleball. And so like, um, yeah, exactly. It's like, man, uh, it's like, I, gotta, I gotta compete at something, but my knees, you know? And so it's like, 
and so, and so they would host a lot of these athletic games. They would have these events. And, and, and so Paul gives, speaks to them in terms of athletics in order to help them to connect the dots, in order to help them to see uh, the, the relationship between God's grace and their effort in order to help them to see like their part in the process. And so he speaks to them in these athletic terms and he says, hey, you know how in a race everybody's running to win? They're like, yes, familiar with races. I understand the concept. And so uh, he says, you know how in a race everybody's running to get the prize? And he says, in the same way, he says, you should run in a way to get the prize. Now, when he's talking to them though, he's not talking about them like physically running. He's not saying like, hey, so get out there, Run a mile, right? Like that's not what he's saying. He, he's talking about, when he says run, he, he, he's talking about living your life. And so he says, hey, you know how in, in, a, in a race, in an athletic competition, people run to win? He's like, in the same way you ought to live like that. You should, you should live to win. And when he says live to win, he's not talking about live to win, like be better than the person next to you, right? He's not talking about like one-upping your neighbor on their lawn, making sure that your lines are better. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's not talking about, um, he's not talking about passing others by. He's not talking about climbing the corporate ladder to get ahead of people. That's not what he's talking about. When he says, hey, you should, you should run, you should live to succeed. He's talking about, hey, in the areas that matter most, when it, when it comes to your character, when it comes to your integrity, when it comes to your your, your, your marriage, when it comes to your, your friendships, when it comes to your relationship with your kids, your family, when it comes to, most importantly, and he's gonna key in on this, when it comes to your own spiritual health, your relationship with your heavenly father, when it comes to those things, he's like, you should be running to win. You should be living with intentionality and trying to succeed. That's your part. He's like, God's gonna do a work in you, but now you've got to apply effort in these areas that matter most. And so he says, in the same way that an athlete's running to win the race, he's like, you should be living with that intentionality and that mindset in the areas of life that matter most. So he says, you should, you should live to win, to succeed, to thrive in those areas of your life. He's gonna go on and build out this idea. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. So he's like, hey, these guys, they're running to win or girls. Uh, he's, like, he's like, these people, they're, they're running to win. He says, and so because they wanna win, they go into strict training. And he says, and they do it to get a crown that doesn't last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So he says, hey, you know how when people run in a race, they wanna win? Yes, we got that, Paul. He says, okay, in the same way you should live to win. And then he says, let's look back at the athletes. He says, the athletes that want to win, he says, they go into strict training. Uh, they, they, they train themselves, it's diet, it's exercise, it's, it's practice, they get, a, they get a coach, right? So that, they can, so that they can grow and develop and get faster. He's like, and they're doing it, I love that he points this out. He goes, they're doing it to get something that doesn't really even matter. He's like, they're doing it to get, and for them it was, it was a, he says a crown that won't last, it's because they would literally get like this like branch with like leaves on it as a crown. And he's like, that is not gonna last. But they understand that if they wanna win that silly little crown, he's like, then they've gotta, they've gotta train. He said, how much more so, is the point he's trying to make, how much more so ought we be training in the areas of life that matter most? How much more so 
ought we be training? He says, if these athletes will train for a crown that doesn't even matter, how much more so ought we ought to be applying training in our own lives in the areas that do matter most? In the area of your integrity, in the area of your character, in, your, in, in, in the area of your marriage, in your family, in your relationship with your kids, in your relationship uh, with, with your friends, with your coworkers, and in, in, in these areas that matter most, in the area of your spiritual life, in your relationship with your heavenly father, in regards to the health of your soul. He goes, how much more so should we be applying training? Now, notice, I like that he uses that word training. Uh, Paul says, hey, when it comes to your part in the process of real and lasting change, when it comes to your part, uh, when it comes to um, experiencing uh, transformation in your life, if you wanna shrink that gap and become more, more of the person that you wanna be, that others need you to be, that God has created you to be, he says that it requires training. He doesn't use the word trying. There's a big difference between training and trying. Uh, and some of you are like, maybe that just sounds like semantics, but I'll, I'll explain this to you. You see trying, you guys, and this is, this is you, can, you can read up on this. There's tons of people that have written amazing stuff on this. Uh, uh, Richard Foster, uh, Dallas Willard, uh, John Ortberg, uh, John Mark Comer, lots of people have written about this. But, but, but the idea here is that, that trying, trying is when you rely on direct effort alone. Right? This is just like, all right, I lost the last race and so I'm gonna show up at the next race and I'm just gonna run faster. Training, on the other hand, is different. Training is when you put practices into place which over time enable us to do in the future what we cannot do through direct effort now. I'll say that again. Training is when you put practices into place which over time enable us to do in the future what we cannot do through direct effort now. I heard John Mark Comer talk about the difference in these two, and I loved his illustration. He said, suppose this year you decided that you wanted to run a marathon. Now, I don't know why you would do that. That's a terrible idea. So, but um, I'm super anti-running. If you're into running, go you. And so, but, um, but, but, but just suppose this year you, you, you woke up and you, know, you, you decided this is the year I'm gonna do it. I'm running a marathon, like it was on my bucket list or whatever, right? And so he said, he said trying, if you took the approach of trying, then uh, he said trying is, is, is you deciding you wanna run a marathon and then just showing up at the race and going for it. Some of you chuckle because you're like, yeah, and you would die. The first guy that did it did, he died. You know what I mean? Like, and so, so yes, it, it would not go well for you, right? Like, uh, and, and, so, and so he says, but that's trying, right? It's showing up and I'm just gonna give it my best. That's trying. He says, on the other hand though, he says, if you were smart, he's like, instead you would actually go into training. He says, now training is different. He says, if you decided this year you were gonna run a marathon, he said, you wouldn't just show up and just try. He says, no, 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 you would go into, you'd go into training. And you would, you would set yourself a, a, a distance goal and you would, you know, you'd run a mile for the first month and you'd double it up. And, and at the end of the weeks, you'd, you'd double up your, the, amount, the distance that you're running so that you would work your way up to, by the time you got to race time, uh, you, you would have worked your way up to and built your stamina up, right? He says, that's training. And this is what the apostle Paul says. He says, hey, athletes that wanna win, athletes that wanna grow, athletes that wanna compete and succeed, he says, they go into strict training. They, they implement some practices in their life in order to, 
to win the race. And he says, in the same way, in the areas that matter most in our lives, he says, we ought to apply the same mindset. We ought to go into strict training. We ought to put some practices in place. We ought to to do some things that enable us to grow and develop. This is how we begin to partner with God in the transformation process. We go into, we go into to training. So it's about training, not trying. Now he's gonna, he's gonna give us some tips for how to train well. If you're, if you're curious this morning and if you're not, uh, I still have 11 minutes so I get to talk about it. So, um, but he, he talks about and he shares uh, with us a few tips for how to train well, how you can participate with God in the transformation process, how you uh, can, can play your part in the process of experiencing real and lasting change. And so he says, hey, here's, here's how I go about my training. This is what he says. He says, therefore, and whenever you see a therefore, this is just good, like, uh, this is just good Bible reading. Uh, I, I've learned this. He says, uh, whenever you see a therefore, you got to ask yourself, what's it there for? And so, um, yep, that's a little cheesy preacher talk. And so um, he said, whenever you see a therefore, you got to understand what it's there for. So you read back. And so he says, therefore, because, because in the areas that matter most, I want to be a part of this process because I'm trying to be a part of the the process of real and lasting change because like uh, I'm going into training. He says, therefore, right? He's going to show us some tips to training. He says, therefore, he says, I do not run like somebody running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. He says, okay, therefore, if I'm going to, if I'm going to play my part, if I'm gonna participate with God in the transformation process, if I'm going to apply some grace-driven effort of my own in this process, right? And then he says, therefore, uh, first, tr- uh, first tip to training well is, he says, I don't run aimlessly. I run, I'm running somewhere on purpose. I've got a destination in mind. I've got a destination in mind so that I don't run aimlessly. Um, because if you don't have a destination in mind, and you know this, if you don't have a destination in mind, you'll find yourself running in circles, running aimlessly, getting lost, or God forbid, just following the person in front of you. And you'll find yourself running their race instead of the one that God's carved out for you. And so he says, I don't run aimlessly. I've got a destination in mind. And so uh, one of the keys that Paul says, hey, if you're gonna train, if you're gonna train well in the areas that matter most, if you're gonna apply effort and participate with God in the process, he says, something that we gotta do if we wanna train well is this, define the finish line. You've gotta define the finish line. When it comes to growth and change, if you're gonna experience real and lasting change and you're gonna apply effort in a way that matters and actually makes a difference, he says, you've gotta have a finish line in mind. You've gotta define the finish line. And for the apostle Paul, you guys, his his finish line was so clear. It was so defined. He mentions it a couple different times and I've shared this with you guys before, but his finish line was so clear and I love the way he, he outlines it in Philippians. I'll just show it to you really quick. He says this, This is his finish line. He's describing it. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him, even in his death and and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it or have already arrived at my goal. I'm not there yet because you guys, transformation and real change, it's a lifelong process. It is a lifelong process. And so Paul says, I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't obtained this. Uh, I haven't arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
Brothers and sisters, I do not consider my, uh, myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, he says, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead. I'm, I'm focused. He says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's like, that's my, that's my finish line. Paul outlines it. He says, to know, to be like, and to be with Jesus. That is my finish line. The goal of my life, where I'm running towards, what I'm heading towards, what I'm applying effort towards. He says, I want to know Jesus better. I want to be more like him in the way that he lived in love. And I want to ultimately be with him, not just now, but also for all of eternity. He says, that's what I'm gonna apply effort towards. That's what I'm running towards. That's my finish line. And now Christians in the room, it's fine if you have some other finish lines in mind. When we talked about the gap, it's fine if, if for you, you notice like, hey, like, you know, financial gap. I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna shore that up. I wanna get better in the area of personal finances or maybe it's personal health. And you're like, hey, I wanna, I got some goals in mind. I got a finish line in mind. I wanna get more fit or whatever. Or maybe it's, you know, career oriented and you got some goals. Maybe it's marriage oriented and you wanna shore some things up. All of those are fine. But listen, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, I just need you to know that that's the finish line for you. It's been defined. The finish line that your heavenly father has for you ultimately for your life is to know, be like, and be with Jesus. That's it. The apostle Paul says, that's the finish line that I'm applying effort towards in my life. And now if, if, if you're not sure where you're at on this faith journey or you're, you're not sure where you're at with Jesus, then, then this lesson still applies though, you guys. If you're going to train well, and you're going to participate in the process of experiencing real and lasting change, you have to have a finish line in mind. You have to be running somewhere on purpose and with purpose. You've gotta have a finish line in mind. With the finish line in mind, it will help you to determine your, the right yeses and the right noes. It'll help you determine uh, the right habits. It will keep you on track. It will keep you moving in the, in the right direction. You have to define the finish line. We have to define the finish line we have to have a destination in mind if we're going to train well and participate in the process of experiencing real and lasting change. So he says, define the finish line, but he's not done yet because he says with that finish line in mind, he also does something else. This is what he says. He says, no, I don't run aimlessly. That's what the no is in response to. I've got a finish line in mind. I, I, I know a direction. I've got a goal. I know where I'm going. And then he says, no, I, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Man, that phrase there uh, that, that he strikes a blow to his body, other uh, versions of the Bible will translate that simply as discipline. That idea to strike a blow to is to discipline. He says, no, what I do is I discipline myself. He says, with my finish line in mind, I discipline myself so that I stay moving in that direction. Discipline. This is what we need if we're going to get to that finish line. He says, with your finish line in mind, the next part to training is to apply disciplines. And disciplines are just those practices that we talked about, practices that enable you to do later what you can't do now. And they require some sacrifice, right? You guys know this. Discipline, if you're gonna apply disciplines in your life, it requires delayed gratification. 
If you're gonna apply discipline in your life, it requires you to prioritize what you want most, that finish line, over what you want now. And those are often at odds. He says, but if, if you wanna train well, the way you apply effort, the way that you come alongside and work alongside what God is doing in you, the way that you work that out, he says, you define your finish line and then you apply disciplines. And there's different kinds of disciplines. There's disciplines, you guys, of engagement. Those are the, those are the things that you start doing, right? Then there's also disciplines of uh, abstinence. Those are things that you stop doing. And then there are just some of you, you've already got some disciplines in place and you just need to keep doing them, right? But the apostle Paul says, hey, when I've defined my finish line, I've got the destination in mind. I know exactly where it is that I'm heading. I know the person that I wanna be. That's defined, that's been clearly defined for me. He says, then uh, as a result of that, I allowed that finish line to help me to apply disciplines. And I look at my life and I say, what things do I need to start that help me get there? And what things do I need to stop that are tripping me up and keeping me from getting there? He says, and I apply these disciplines into my life. And now, so I don't know what area it is that you've got gaps. I don't know where it is in your own life that you're looking at it and you're going like, hey, I, I really wanna experience real and lasting change in this area. I, I, don't, I don't know what that is for you, but I do think it's important for you to define that that destination, that finish line, for you to define your finish line. And then in response to that, you need to apply some disciplines. You need to go, hey, what do I need to start? What do I need to stop? What do I need to continue? The Apostle Paul says, this is how we participate in the transformation process. We define our finish line. We apply disciplines. We start some things. We stop some things. And then in the last kind of tip for training. And this one's implied in the text, you guys. The last thing that we gotta do, if we're gonna participate in the process of real and lasting change, if we're gonna do our part uh, alongside God, uh, trusting God to do his part, which he's gonna do, if we're gonna participate in the process, right? He says, you define your finish line. He says, you apply discipline. And then this right here, don't quit. It's implied in the text. The apostle Paul talks about this. And when he talks about this process of, hey, I got my finish line in mind, I'm applying disciplines. Uh, and, and you even heard it in Philippians, right? He, he assumes this, that he's not done yet. This is an ongoing process. This is a lifelong process that he's participating in. And so the apostle Paul says, hey, with my finish line in mind, I'm applying disciplines and I'm continuing to do that. By God's grace and by his power working in me, I'm tapping into that and I'm running towards that goal with the disciplines in my life and I'm not gonna give up. And you guys know this, there's gonna be days where you fail and fall short in your disciplines. There's gonna be weeks and months where you totally have fallen off in your disciplines. There's gonna be moments where, where your patience wears thin because change hasn't come as fast as you wanted it to. There's gonna be moments where you, where you struggle to trust the process. There's gonna be moments where you feel like tapping up and giving up. The apostle Paul says, no, 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 but keep going. Keep going at it. Keep applying your effort because God is at work in you and by his grace and by his strength, he's gonna sustain you. And so on the days that you fail and fall short, get back up and embrace grace. Get up and turn from it, learn from it, grow from it. Keep going, don't quit because in the journey of life and in the process of change, can I just tell you something? If you don't quit, you win. If you don't quit, you win. Because God's gonna continue to work and he's gonna continue to empower your efforts. So the apostle Paul says, hey, 
when it comes to transformation, when it comes to experiencing real and lasting change, right? It starts with inviting God to do a work in us. Absolutely. Without God, we can't. But without us, God won't. And so God has invited us to participate in the process. And the reason why, you guys, the reason why God has called you to participate in the process is the same reason why I'm not gonna clean my little boy's room. I'm not gonna do it for him. Because even though I would do better, he would be worse. And your heavenly father, he wants you to grow and to mature and to change. And could he do it all for you in an instant? But maybe things would be better, but we would be worse. He goes, no, I want you to grow up. I want you to mature. I want you to be a part of this process of change. And so he says, yes, I'm gonna work in you, but I want you to work with me. I want you to work with me. So define your finish line. Apply some disciplines. Look at your life. What do I need to start? What do I need to stop? What do I need to continue? What areas do I need to apply some disciplines? And then, and then don't quit. In the moments when you fail and fall short, fall on his grace, embrace grace, and let it give you the strength to get back up and to keep going. Because at the end of the day, you guys, in the process of real and lasting change, if we don't quit, we win and we ultimately become more the people that we were meant to be, that others need us to be, and that God, your heavenly father, has created you to be. So this is our part in the process of real and lasting change. Is God gonna do his work? Absolutely. But he's invited you to participate, to apply some effort, some grace-driven effort along the way. And when that happens, you guys, we begin to experience real and lasting change. I'm gonna pray for us. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, that you care about who we're becoming. You care about where we're going. Uh, you care about our maturity and our growth. And because of that, uh, you don't do uh, all of this uh, without us. You invite us in to participate in the process. And so God, I just pray this morning that you would help us, uh, help us to get a clear picture of who it is uh, that, that, that we wanna be, that others need us to be. But ultimately, God, I pray that you would give us a vision of who it is that you desire us to be, who it is that you've created us to be, who it is that you're calling us to be. And and then God, I pray that you would help us uh, to get in on the process, to participate in the process of experiencing real and lasting change. God, help us to get a clear picture uh, of the finish line, that destination. And then God, I pray that you would show us uh, the disciplines that we need to apply. And God, show us the things that we need to start, the things that we need to stop, the things that we need to continue in order to do and become all that you created us to do and become. God, we love you and we trust you and we pray these things in Jesus' name.